Hey, uh, today is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend day. Tomorrow's the actual day. Um, but I'm so excited for that. Um, by the way, I have a reason to be excited. Maybe most of you don't. And I get so excited that we have a national holiday about a man who's a Christian, but even more a pastor. Uh, and if you've ever heard Martin Luther King Jr. preach, which I've many times, I, I've gone and listened. He is like the, the one of the most eloquent, most powerful people preaching God's word ever. And uh, so I get super excited about that. Uh, Pam and I, when we went to Washington, D.C., uh, we went to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. And I mean, I got emotional. Then Tracy, my assistant, recently went and she got emotional. And when you go and stand there, there really is something different, again, because his life was so much about Jesus. His life was so much about the Lord. And this particular monument is actually based on or drawn off a quote that Martin Luther King Jr. said, and it's this quote, and I want you to see it. With patient and firm determination, we will press on until every valley of despair is exalted to new peaks of hope, until every, and don't miss this idea, Every mountain of pride and irrationality is made low by the leveling process of humility and compassion. He goes, until the rough places of injustice are transformed into a smooth plane of equality, of opportunity, until the crooked places of prejudice are transformed by the straightening process of bright-eyed wisdom. Bright-eyed wisdom. One of the things he said there that is so true, don't miss this, is that pride drives you to the valley of despair. Pride puts you in a place of despair. And Martin Luther King Jr. was right about that. Uh, we're talking about the seven deadly sins, and pride is one of the seven deadly sins. But don't miss this, pride is the root of all of the deadly sins. At the root of everything that ends up corrupting, uh, the, the idea that it, it, it ruins everything around it is pride. Uh, I was uh, reading a psychologist not that long ago, and she brought out this. She said, you know what? When people are filled with pride and you have to, you have to interact with them, you have to be around somebody prideful, you either leave mad or sad or both. Now, I want you to think about that. By the way, it's the opposite. When you're around somebody with the cardinal virtue of humility, you know what that happens? You walk away feeling better. You walk away uplifted. But you're around a prideful person. You, you either are sad or mad or you have a mixture of those two emotions. And pride is damaging and pride is cruel. And by the way, that same psychologist said this. She said, people who are forced to live Lives with people of pride. In other words, it might be a spouse, it might be a parent, it might be a boss. By the way, that's a dangerous place to be when you have to work for somebody like that. He, she said this, she said, you always suffer a grievous wound. Now, it was interesting, not just wounded. They don't just wound you. The wound they inflict is a grievous wound. Plutarch, a, a Greek historian, said this. He said that, that pride is the ugly wound. 
Uh, and I thought, when I read that, I thought, you know what that's like? It's like an infectious disease. But there's a particular one I have in mind. It's a disease that's a flesh-eating disease. Um, I don't know if you remember back when all of a sudden, that was on the news years ago, that this flesh-eating disease was traveling around Southern California. People were getting it. I got a call to go visit somebody in the hospital who had it. And when I got there, they had me suit up. They had me put on gloves. I had to wear a mask. I had to wear goggles. Why? Because it was that infectious. But I'll never forget stepping into that hospital room and the smell. Oh my gosh, you guys. As this decaying flesh, what it smelled like. And I was able to actually stand and look at the wound because they couldn't cover it. It was one of the most grotesque, sick things I've ever seen in my life. But I think that is what pride is too. Pride is spiritually that grotesque. Pride is spiritually that detrimental. And God is warning you and I that pride is a deadly sin that always leads to destruction. Uh, Look what it says in Proverbs chapter um, 16. It says this in verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Um, man, I got to tell you with a great deal of sadness as I did this sermon, I sat and thought about some people who used to be a part of our church family, some who even used to be on staff and they were so filled with pride. I mean, I, I, it, it just emanated from them. It's not judgmental. I'm not even saying I'm being judgmental in that moment. It was so painful, so wounding. This church got wounded by those people. This church suffered by those people and they infected, they were infectious. They infected so many people. Uh, And um, I want to tell you this, that that pride went before their destruction because to a person, each one of those people suffered incredible humiliation. Now, I don't mean they were humbled. I don't mean they found humility. I wish they had. I wish they will. But every, and I'm not kidding. I I sat with the Lord and I said, I even hate to, to remember that moment. I hate to remember those times. Why? Because I was wounded by them. But every single one of them went to a place of humiliation. The other thing I can tell you, and I've interacted with them. To this day, every single one of them blame everybody else but themselves. Do you know prideful people do that? You know you've been around a prideful person when it's your fault, not their fault. When it's somebody else's fault, not their fault. And, and I want to tell you, pride goes before destruction. Uh, families have been ruined. Marriages have des- been destroyed. Uh, uh, job places have become places where people go into depression, that they even have to go to work there because of prideful people. And when we say it's a deadly sin, it's a deadly sin. And I want to say a prideful person can't honor other people. Um, king David, before he was King David, was a man after God's own heart. He was all his life except for moments of, of going into sin. But still he had this, this God said, you're a man after my own heart. And the big reason for that is because David was humble. 
Uh, I don't know if you remember what happened, but David slew Goliath and turned into a celebrity. And people began to, to chant his name and, and sing songs about him. And in his day, he became the celebrity of celebrities. But King Saul couldn't stand it. And his pride began to eat him alive. And he began to want to destroy David. Why? Because David was a threat to his being the one that people focused on. And his being the one that people celebrated And so just like the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, Solomon decided to steal and kill and destroy David. And David had nobody to protect him. So Saul started by taking everything that David loved away from him. And then everyone that David loved away from him. And he drove David out into the wilderness. And then he decided, that's not enough. I'm going to kill him. And he took a huge army and started to hunt David down. And uh, he drove David into an area called En Gedi, where David and some of the men who did go with him went and hid in, in some caves that are in an area. If you ever get to go En Gedi, it's filled with these caves. And then as God would have it, Saul had to go to the bathroom. By the way, I think God did it. And what happened is that in all these hundreds of caves, Saul goes into the cave that David's in with his men. Now, back then, when you're a king, you did not take an entourage to go to the bathroom together. So he walked in there alone. And David's hiding in the recesses of the cave, and it's so dark that Saul can't see David, but David can see Saul. And the men begin to say to to David, they said, God has delivered him into your hands today. Here's your enemy. By the way, he's exposed. (laughs) Okay, am I the only one? You could kill him. God, God's humbled him before you. You could kill him. And you know what David said? Far be it from me to raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. Do you know what you call that? You call that humility. He was humble. He was humble. He didn't say, you know what? I'm entitled to take over. I'm entitled to enact my 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 anger. I'm entitled to get my vengeance. He said, I would never do that. And you want to say, but David, this is the most evil king that almost is ever, ever going to have lived. David said, I still won't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. You know why? Humble people show respect and honor and prideful people struggle with that. And, and see, David would be lifted up one day because the Bible talks about when we humble ourselves under the sight of our mighty God, he always lifts us up. But you know what? Is the, the good news is it's God who lifts you up and you and I don't need to do the lifting up. And David wants us to know that. David wants us to be aware of that. But pride is a deadly sin. Uh, it's, it's that deadly sin that's the thing behind the thing. Now, I want you to think about it because let me, be, let me stop. If you didn't know it, this message is for you. Some of you right now are thinking of somebody else. Stop doing that. It's you. You know, because it's really easy to go, oh my gosh, I hope so-and-so hears this. A few of you might have already texted, this is you. But pride is the thing behind the thing. Why do you act the way you act? Pride may be the reason and most likely could be a root reason why do you do what you do? It's pride. Why did you? Why can't you stop doing it? Why can't you stop saying it? Why can't you stop feeling it? 
It's pride. Uh, When pride is ruling, you can't say, I'm sorry. When pride is ruling, you don't say, I'm wrong. Or how about this? You know what? It was my fault. By the way, if you're a parent, then you're always giving the message to your children that they're the problem. Maybe you've even said these, by the way, you want to talk about prideful, evil words? When a parent says, why did you make me do that to a child? Let me tell you, not only are you lying to yourself because you're not, that child can't make you do that. And when you start putting that on them, when you start laying that upon them, when you won't take responsibility for how you're acting, what you're thinking, what you're saying, how you're feeling, and you put that on your kids, is there anything more evil than that? I don't know that there's a whole lot of things more evil than that. And, and pride does that. If you're a spouse, then you suffer from most everything being turned back on you. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, you're, you're thinking, okay, I want to get our marriage better. I want to get this right. And so you say, look, I, can we talk? And you begin to share your heart and you say, you know, I, 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 we got to get this fixed because when you do this or say that or, and right away they turn and say, well, what about you? By the way, have you noticed how prideful people do that? The minute you go, can we deal with this? Well, you're worse. All right, I'm worse. Can we deal with the, no, you know what? You said this. Well, I, when you think you, and, and they escalate and, and, and exaggerate you and you're like, I, I know I have problems too. But you can't deal with the prideful person, right? By the way, some of you right now, you got to be going, it's true. It's so hard. It's so difficult. Because pride wounds. Pride wounds. And when you try to deal with that issue with the prideful person, get ready. They're going to attack you. By the way, when you're prideful, do you know what you're going to do? Now, this is where I'm going to get honest. Me? If you say, Chuck, are you just preaching at us? Well, I got to be honest. I could stand and preach this in the mirror because I need to hear it. But when we're prideful then, let's say we're, then when you point out something wrong about me and pride takes over in my head, man, I am thinking of all the things that are wrong with you and how I could say things to you and how I could destroy you. Uh, And by the way, that's what's really, really sick when you're the boss and I get to be the boss. Man, that's sad when I'm a prideful boss. Because nobody can help me get better. No one can help us get better. And I, I would say this, you guys. I would really hurt this church badly if I let that become what rules my life. And, uh, and is that my temptation? Oh, yeah, we all have that. We all have it, and it's so sad. See, prideful people don't listen to others. Prideful people, ready, don't ask for help. They don't ask for help. Prideful people can't give a compliment and mean it. Now, I'm not saying they don't give it, but guess what? You don't really mean it. Prideful people don't show honor, and they don't show respect. And um, it's horrible. My, uh, my dad was without a doubt one of the greatest men I've ever known in my life. My dad was a chief master sergeant in the United States Air Force with a stellar career. And if you don't know the armed services, there are officers and there are non-commissioned officers, okay? And the officer obviously uh, is, is, uh, got more authority and more influence. 
And I cannot tell you the number of times my dad, with 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years of being a veteran serving our country, had a young lieutenant or young captain put over him. And do you know what he always did? Showed respect. Was it because he was not strong? No. Was it because he lacked confidence? Not, not my dad. Do you know why he always showed respect? Because he told me over and over, you always honor the bars. You always honor the uniform. You always honor. And my dad's goal, the minute a young, young officer was given over him, was to make him the most successful young officer he could be. That's what humble people do. By the way, don't you want people like that serving our country? Yeah. And prideful people can't do it. They just struggle. I don't know if you've heard the, the, the question is, how many narcissists does it take to take out a light bulb? To unscrew a light bulb? And the answer is only one, but it takes a long time because they need the whole world to revolve around them. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I was trying to drop some humor into painful moments here, okay? See, the deadly sin is the number one sin that feeds all sins. And I don't want you to miss that. And God lists this sin as the top of the things he hates. Uh, this is very interesting to me, the way the Lord chooses to go after pride. So in Proverbs chapter 6, he says these words. There are six things which the Lord hates. By the way, later on, you and I, don't miss this, we're told to hate pride. Now, I'm not saying to hate people but you and I are to hate pride. We're to hate pride. It says there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. And the number one one is this, haughty eyes. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil. And then it goes on to say, a false witness who utters lies, one who spreads strife among the brothers. Now, now I want to stop, though, and go back to the first one. Haughty eyes, haughty eyes. Haughty eyes is a way of God calling out pride. Why? Because people who are prideful look down on others. People who are prideful look down on other people. Uh, they're judgmental. They're entitled. Um, they scoff in the way they look. They mock. Uh, and people who are prideful look out for themselves and they don't look out for others. Um, so in Proverbs 30 verse 12, it says this. There is a kind. Uh, when you read this section of Proverbs, I think it's so interesting. Say, what he's saying is there's a kind of person. There's a kind of person that you and I don't want to be like. So there's a kind who is pure in his own eyes. Why? Because he's prideful and always looking down on others. When it says pure in his own eyes, that means they don't think they can do anything wrong. They think they're always right. Yet is not washed from his own filthiness. Uh, in other words, he can't see. They're so busy looking down on others and pointing out other people's faults, they can't see their own. There is a kind, oh, how lofty are his eyes. And his eyelids are raised in arrogance. See, the Bible's so clear there saying, you and I don't want to be that way. And God not only hates pride, God is opposed to the proud. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says this. Uh, it says, you younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
And then it goes on to say this, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The, the interesting thing is Peter talks about the idea of us being clothed with humility, clothed with humility. Uh, so when the idea here is it's a Greek word that literally means, don't, don't miss this, to put on the apron of a slave. Now, now, some of you have got to be going there already, so get ready. Let's all get to the same place. Some of you already got there ahead of me. One of the most important moments in Peter's life was when? When Jesus, yeah, you said it, when Jesus washed their feet. And you remember what happened is Jesus takes off his garment, puts on the apron of a slave. Notice that says, hey, you guys, I learned a lesson. Put on the apron of a slave. He's got to be thinking about what Jesus did. And Jesus humbled himself and washed their feet. And Peter said, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's be that way. Because if you're not that way, what does Peter say? God is opposed to the proud. And I want you to see this Greek word opposed. Uh, it literally means to stand in full battle array against. Now, no, don't miss that. God's not just saying I'm against you. He said, I'm going to take every ounce of power I have to stand against you. He's not going to bless you. He's not going to lift you up. He's not going to protect you. He said, I'm going to stand against you. And that's where I'm telling you now. And I, okay, um, I, I, I actually like this, but I'm, I'm an old guy now. So you're ready? You're hearing the lessons of an old man who's been around a long time. I was around before iPhones or cell phones. I was around when the idea of a mobile phone was that big. I was around for the premiere of Gilligan's Island. Okay, so I'm an old guy. So here's the ready, all you young people. And I'm not saying that to put you down. Listen to the lesson of an old guy. I've been around a long time and I've seen seeing God stand in opposition against prideful people. You know what? They may get away with it for a little while, but they don't get away with it long. And I've watched a lot of people get broken because they were so stiff-necked, so haughty. And if you know me, and I hope you know me, I don't ever rejoice over that because I think about what could be what could have been. And I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be us. I want us to have that cardinal virtue of humility and not be people who are caught in pride. Why? Because when you're prideful, it crimps the hose of God's blessing and the rivers of overflowing blessing he wants to put upon you. It crimps the, the, and stops the idea of God lifting you up to places and heights that he wants you to see. And so God, God wants to do that. But here's one thing I do know over the years, and I've seen it in me and I've seen it in others, is that when you let God take hold of you and you let God begin to mold you. Do you know what happens? That pride can turn into your greatest strength of humility. Because uh, uh, all of us, when we get prideful and hate it in ourselves, then we begin to love humility and love what it means to be humble. We begin to love that. We begin to get excited about that. 
Uh, and, and God, God says, look at how beautiful this is. Look how incredible this is. Let me tell you why, uh, for me, this is my big pride, my, my love of humility and hatred of pride is when I'm prideful, I only see me. And when I'm humble, I can see you and you guys are awesome. And one of the greatest blessings of my life is walking around, interacting with people. And when I really see them, I get so amazed at the creation of God in you and the wonder in you and the potential in you. And, and, and I get around people and I get, and, and I get so excited when I see other people. When I can see sometimes that sad look that now I'm able to be, able to be aware of and say, hey, are you okay? Because I'm not prideful in thinking of me. When I see somebody do something great and I'm able to go over and say, I saw that. And I'm a part of cheering them on. Man, I love living like that. But I hate it when I've gone through a whole day and I never saw anybody else but me. And God wants you and I to to understand he can make that your greatest strength. He can do that in such an incredible way. So God calls you to humility. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says this. It says, true humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and a long life. I think that's kind of interesting. It leads to riches, honor, and a long life. Uh, There was a book that became one of the most quoted books in the business world uh, called Good to Great. It's written by Jim Collins. I'm not so sure that, that Jim Collins was a Christian when he wrote it, uh, but it's very interesting. He is now, he is now. But Jim Jim Collins, based on incredible research, a huge team, uh, they found out something, that the companies that did best for the longest period of time were led by men or women, by the way, women too, who were level five leaders, he called them. But here's what the definition of a level five leader was. You ready? They were highly confident and highly humble at the same time. And interestingly, very seldom could you even quote those, their, their name. This incredibly successful company, you couldn't hardly name who was leading it. Why? Because they were always elevating others. And people loved working for them. So what am I saying? That led to riches, honor, and a long life. Uh, the companies did better. They did better. Uh, and so you see that true humility and fear of the Lord leads to that. And, and his research showed how true that was. And, and God wants you and I to live that way. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says this. It says, he, meaning God, God has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and look at that, to walk humbly with your God. He said, what is good? What is good in your life is when you walk humbly with God. What is good in your life is when you embrace that and that's who you are. Why? Because remember, God gives his grace to the humble and he moves us from the deadly sin of pride to the cardinal virtue of humility. And in James chapter four, verse six, I love this. It says, but he gives a greater grace. In other words, if you are humble, you don't just get grace, you get a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uh, the word greater in the Greek, and, and, and I love this. Remember the New Testament's written in Koine Greek. Uh, the word greater is the word mega. Mega. And I don't know about you, but I love mega. Like when I go to have a meal, I want a mega meal, which we're going to talk about gluttony in a couple of weeks and 
All right. So, but, but, you know, so a mega burrito, a mega hamburger, um, you know, all, uh, I, I don't know why, but I like everything to the extreme. And God says, I'm going to give the extreme of grace to you. Remember, grace is not just forgiveness of sin. It's the power to live a better life. The good life, that life that he says, you know, this is yours when you walk humbly with your God. And so God wants you and I to live in that. And so what do we need to do to get that greater grace? Remember, this is James 4, 6. Let's go to James 4, 7. How do you get the greater grace? Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, notice what it says. How do I end up moving from pride to humility? I submit to God and I resist the devil. Remember the devil fell because of pride. Isaiah chapter 14, if you haven't read it, talks about the the fall of Satan. And it began with him saying, I will, I will, I will, I will. And it was all about, I will be as good as God and I will rise above all the angels. And he fell. One of the greatest falls ever, one of the greatest humiliations ever is is an archangel becoming the leader of the demonic. The thief that steals, kills, and destroys. So the Bible says resist him. And and let me say this, one of the most clear ways he's going to tempt you and tempt me is pride. So resist that pride. Deny that pride and choose to be humble. Uh, So submit therefore to God. Uh, Let me say this, there's sometimes that you're going to have to deny self and choose humility even when you don't feel it. Now this to me may be a very important moment. Um, You may not feel like being humble, but act humbly. You know why? Because it'll end up turning you humble. And you might say, well, I'm not being for real. No, you're being a person who submits to God because God told you to do that. And you might say, but I don't feel like doing it. And you know what God's gonna say to you? I don't care. You act that way. You act that way. Because you know what? If you say you're a Christian, you need to follow Jesus by denying self. And there are times you've got to just turn off that pride and deny self, even though it hurts, even though it's hard. And then I'm going to tell you, you'll get better at it. You'll get better at it. Why? Because the humble side is so much better. And after a while, you're just going to love it. Uh, I don't know, have any, any of you um, chosen to eat healthy before? Um, I've done that a couple times. Um, Let me ask a question. Whenever you've done that, you have to deny yourself the foods that aren't good for you, but always taste better. At least I think so. But let me ask a question. If you eat healthy for a week, do you feel better? What's the answer? Yeah, but you got to deny self. Somebody just said no. Okay, all right. (laughs) Hey, the gluttony sermon's coming, but yeah, and uh, but, but, but here's what I want you to think about is we need to do that. We need to be under that obedience. Peter had to be thinking about that. It had to be etched in his mind. It had to be one of the most incredible moments ever. And without a doubt, one of the most famous moments in all history. When the apostles go into a room together, they're fighting over who gets the best seat. They're talking about who's going to be on Jesus' right or left in the kingdom of God. They don't realize he's hours away from the most brutal, painful death anybody will suffer. Only Mary seemed to pick up on it. No one else did. 
Mary, just not too long before that, saw how badly Jesus was hurting, how great the stress was. None of the other apostles did. Why? Because they're arguing over who's the greatest. They can't see him because they're so filled with pride. He had warned them about that over and over. So they get into the room, and on purpose, Jesus did not have a slave there to wash their feet. Because that's what you do. You would, you would go to a, a gathering like this, and, and people wore sandals and walked on dirty, dirty roads, and, and you would always have a slave come and wash people's feet. And so Jesus is looking around, and no one's putting on the apron. And he does. I think it's very intriguing to me. He takes off his robe right in front of them and clothes himself with a towel and gets ready to take towel and water and go man to man, washing their feet. Now, I don't want you to miss this. If we did that today, you would be uncomfortable. If I said, hey, we're gonna have the ushers all come down right now, take off your shoes and socks, everybody here would be like, I'm out of here, right? Would you? See, in that day, it was no different. We somehow think it was. No, it was just as weird. But here's Jesus coming, man to man to man. And he gets to Peter, and Peter said, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, yeah, you don't understand right now, but one day you will. And, and then Peter said, no. Now, and, and by the way, he said, no, Lord, which is, those don't go together very well. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part of me. And then Peter, being enthusiastic, said, then I, I wash all of me. If, if you got, okay, give me a bath right here in front of everybody. And Jesus said, no, I don't need to do that. But let me do this. Let me do this. And then he puts on the, the robe and he sits in front of him. He goes, do you guys realize what just happened? Don't forget it. Don't miss what happened. He said, if I, your Lord and master, washed your feet, I want you to wash each other's feet. Because this movement, this kingdom movement is built on servanthood, not supremacy. It's built on the beauty of humility and not on the, the loftiness of pride. He said, I want you to not miss this moment. And then I love this verse. Get ready. It's in John chapter 13. Uh, it says this. It says, uh, now before, oh, actually jump down to verse 17, you guys. I, I jumped ahead on you. Jump to verse 17. It says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Don't miss that. If I know. If I know that pride is no good, if I know that pride wounds and hurts and is wrong, if I know that, that humility is so much better, I'm blessed if I do humility. I'm blessed. And uh, I, I want to tell you, I've watched that happen over and over. Remember, I told you, and, and, and if you didn't miss, catch it, I've watched people get broken because of pride, and I've watched people being lifted up because of humility. And I have seen it never, ever fail on the long haul. In the moment, you may not see it, but if you stick around along, if you get to live as old as I am, okay? And m many of you in the room won't get my age. You know why? Because the rapture is coming. You're going to be with Jesus. Yeah, but 
you'll see it's true. You'll see it's true. And you know what? When you're prideful, people around you are going to be either sad or mad and wounded. And if you're humble, they're going to be lifted up. They're going to love life. They're going to crave being with you. It's going to be incredible. It's just going to be an incredible way to live. And God wants that for you. Right now, the Lord wants to give you not just grace, but mega grace. God wants to give you blessing and overflowing blessing. And and God wants you to humble yourself under his mighty hand so he can lift you up, which I think that's so cool. I love the imagery of that. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And what's he gonna do? He's not gonna slap you around. He's not gonna crush you. He's gonna lift you up. And some of you right now, you need to be lifted up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a time of inviting you to say yes to Jesus. Some for the very first time that you could commit your life to Christ. Some so you could recommit your life to Christ. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer where you actually submit yourself to God. Remember, submit to God and resist the devil and he'll... God's going to lift you up. So submit to God by praying this prayer. You could pray it alone. You could look over at, at a friend and say, let's pray it together or a spouse and say, hey, you know what? Let's do this together. Matter of fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea either here or online for some of you to look at your spouse and say, I'm sorry, but let's do this together. Let's get this right. Some of you need to pray this prayer because your kids need it from you. Man, it would be amazing if you saw the transformation happen in your life and then they got to see it. So pray this prayer with me. And then after we pray the prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something that takes being humble. That is make it known. If you're online, I'm going to have you text in amen to 77247. We're going to get right back to you. Want to know your name and know that you made this decision. Uh, or you can go to CrossroadsChurch.Family. But if you're in the room or on the patio, I'm going to ask you to do something. And let me tell you, this takes, you have to humble yourself before God to do it. I'm going to ask everyone to stand and sing. And if you pray this prayer and mean it, or you feel the Holy Spirit stirring, or you've never done this before, I'm going to ask you to make your way to the stairs or make your way to an aisle and walk down here and let us greet you and head in this room we call the living room. And in there, we're going to ask your name because we care about you. We're going to give you a Bible uh, if you don't have one or just give you one to remember today. And, and then we're going to share some steps to take. But let me tell you what is so intriguing to me about this is the pattern of scripture is you do have to humble yourself and admit your need for God by making it public. I, one of the things about making that walk is you're going, man, I feel like everyone's going to see me and know I'm doing this. Well, yeah, that's the whole idea. You can't make it private. You can't hide out. You got to make it so known. I'm humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. You know, some of you might say, well, I don't know why I'd have to do that. Well, that's, you're the number one person that has to do it then. Because you, you think you know better than God. So make that walk. So you might say, well, what are people going to think about me? Well, let me be honest. We're not going to go, ooh, look how evil they are. We're not going to say about time. We cheer for you. And by the way, for a, sometimes that's hard to take. Sometimes it's hard to take that we're so focused on you and excited about what happened. But as you do, you're humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. 
So if you want, you can grab someone's hand and say, come with me. But I'm gonna tell you, this is a moment that God moves in a powerful way. So let's pray, let's start with prayer. And then we're gonna ask you either to text in or go to the website or make that walk. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that you would forgive me for my pride. Preparing this message has been so painful because I have thought of other people whose lives have been hurt and others who've been wounded and people who've been broken. And I'm sorry for them. And I hope one day they they can admit their fault. But I also have had to think about me. And even, Lord, as I've been preparing in this and praying about this, Lord, in your love, you've shown me how many times my attitude, my feelings, my eyes have been in the wrong place. But you're a God of grace. So I want to start by asking you to forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. And then I pray for others in here who are going to join with me in saying, this is their day to say yes to you. Submit to you. They want to be free of pride. And so they want to put themselves in your hands. And, and Lord, I pray that's going to happen. Right now. Right now. There's some parents in here that need to do that, Lord, for you. And, but also it's going to benefit their kids. There's some spouses in here who've been making the person they married miserable that now they can become a joy. There's some people who are supervisors and bosses of others that God, the people who work for them are hating life. And now if they would do this, it could turn into a joy. God, there's people who've lost friendships, lost relationships, that many of them can see the incredible joy of not only humility, but of restoration. So I pray right now for anybody that needs to say yes to you, and I pray they're going to come to you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you died on the cross for me, and you died for my sins. Please forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. Please heal me from hurt and pain. And I want to humble myself before you. I want to give myself to you. I want to follow you. And Jesus, I pray this in your holy name. Amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. And if you pray that prayer, text in amen right now. Don't hold back. Thanks again for joining us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text amen to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey. If this message resonated with you or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.